are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm going to preach on the devil tonight. I feel full of my subject, so I want you to... Little boy said, there ain't no devil. It's like that Santa Claus tale. It's your old man. That's who it is. The girl said to her, Mama, I'm not going to marry the fellow because he doesn't believe in hell. She said, you marry him. We'll show him. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Open your Bible tonight to the book of Isaiah. To the book of Isaiah. Chapter 14. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. If you have your school for your Bible, that's on, on page 726. See if it is. Yes, sir. Okay. And verse 12, beginning with verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High. Watch him shoot those eye wills up at God, will you? Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit, and they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one in his own house. But thou hast cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword, that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet, thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be removed. Now I want you to be sure to be at the meeting with Brother Hatch tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, and then to go out on visitation. By the way, I'm going out myself now for that visitation on Wednesday and Thursday, God willing, and Friday. I'm going to go on visitation myself. I need it. I'm going out on visitation myself. When we get too busy to do that, then we're too busy, amen? So I'm going to go out with you. I'll go out with you. I want to see how you do it. Amen. I need to learn myself. Okay. I believe that a sin-cursed earth tonight is conscious of the existence of an evil being. I believe it, I, it, would, I believe it would be a waste of your valuable time trying to prove to you the existence of what we call a devil. Because the man who doesn't believe in a devil, I'm sure, never tried to live a Christian life one day. 
Because if ever you try to live a Christian life, one day you'll find out whether there's a devil or not. There are a few doctrines in the Bible, the devil and demons, the devil and demons are two entirely different and distinct order of beings. There is only one, there are many, many demons, but there is only one, oh he, daddy, devil, just one. But there are many demons. And I, there, are few, there are few doctrines in the Word of God that will go further than that in teaching us our dependence upon God and driving us to our knees in prayer. I believe I said the devil and demons are two entirely different and distinct order of beings. I've seen the devil get in everything. I've seen a man come down, the, I've seen a, the devil get in a hog, and I've seen it get in the garden, and we've got to drive it out, and it'd go round and round the fence and see everything in the world but the holy came in. And then I've seen the devil get in a man, and I've seen him come down the street gritting his teeth and clenching his fists, and his lips are getting white, and his cheeks are getting red, and looks like he's fighting under the flag of the red, white, and blue. And then I've seen the devil get in a woman, but I never stayed to see what happened. I always left. But anyway, but there are many demons, and that's what we mean when we talk about demon possession. You say, Brother Lincoln, do you believe in demon possession? I do. I believe in demon possession. And I believe that many forms of sickness, insanity, and disease, and other things is nothing more nor less than demon possession. I believe it's demon possession. I mean much of the crime, the atrocious crimes that are being committed today is being committed by people who are demon possessed. We had in my county, in my county, we had a girl that was stabbed to death. She worked at night in, for the telephone people. And this fellow didn't even know her as far as anybody knew. He didn't even know her. But when she got off from work at night, he followed her out into the country. For They lived nine or ten miles in the country. And he followed her in his car until he pushed her off of the highway. And then some fellows came along as he was stabbing her to death. And the only thing she ever said, I, she said, I offered him money. He ran. They took her in the car, started to the hospital. She died before they got to the hospital. They sentenced him to, for, they sentenced him to life in the prison. And my nephew was taking him to the penitentiary. And he said when he had him in chains and taking him to the penitentiary, he said, I said to him, why did you, I said, what made you, I said, why did you stab that girl? Why did you kill that girl? And he said, I don't know. Something just made me do it. Something just made me do it. Demon possession, my friend. Demon possession. And a demon is always powerless until he is embodied. Therefore, they are continually seeking to embody themselves. If not in humans, then in animals. Then in animals. You remember when Jesus went over into the land of Gadara, and there met a man coming out of the tombs, cutting and slashing himself. And when Jesus approached him, the demon cried out, not the man, not the man, but the demon using the man's vocal organs to make himself audible. 
the demon cried out and said, Thou son of God, why hast thou come aforetime to torment us? Why hast thou come aforetime to torment us? Wilt thou at this time send us away into the deep? Now they didn't mean, they didn't mean the lake nearby. What they meant was this, why have you come aforetime to lock us up in the abyss or the bottomless pit? Why have you come aforetime to lock us up in the abyss or the bottomless pit? And then they sought Jesus, they saw a herd of swine grazing, and they sought Jesus to allow them to enter into the swine. You know, if a devil, if a demon can't get a man, he'll take a first class hog, that's the next thing. And I think sometimes he's better off because a drunk fell over in a hog pen and a lady came along and saw him lying there with a hog and she said, you can tell a man by the company he keeps, you can tell a person by the company he keeps, and a hog got up and left. Let me tell you something tonight. And you know what they said? They ran down the hill and violently down a steep place into the sea, and the hogs were drowned, but not the demons. The hogs were drowned. Now the professor, a boy told me that the professor in the seminary said that this man was subject to epileptic fits, and he threw a fit and scared these hogs, and they ran into the sea. Well, there's two things I want to say. One is I've stood across the Sea of Galilee and looked at that place where those hogs ran down the steep place. And he said, look how accurate the Bible is. He said they ran down the steep place into the sea. And it's almost perpendicular. It's almost straight up and down. Now, if you don't think something happened to those hogs, you, you try to drive a hog downhill, especially into water. Try to drive a hog downhill, especially into water, and see what happens. So, when that happened, and the fellow was clothed and in his right mind, then came the hog raisers. And they came out and asked Jesus to leave their coast. Why? Because he was spoiling too much pork. And those guys thought more of hogs than they did of humans. And every time that their pocketbook is touched, then you'll find something happening. Did you know, my friend, that a revival, an old-fashioned, genuine, Holy Ghost, devil-driving revival will ruin some people's business? Why? Because they're in a damnable, dirty business. That's the reason. That's the reason. Of course, and a revival in this city would ruin some people's business because they're in a hellish business. That's the reason the saloon man, the liquor man, the tavern man, what does he care about the widows and the orphans? What does he care about tears and blood stains? What does he care about wrecks and slaughter? What does he care about insanity and crime? What does he care about the wail of the widow and the cry of the orphan? What does he care as long as he can fill his pockets with filthy lucre? That's what I'm saying to you tonight. Why does he care? And any man who peddles or fools or handles it in any way, my friend, is not a friend to humanity. He's not a good, he's not a good citizen for the community. You put it down. You said, Dr. Lake, can you preach? Let me say this. I know some leading evangelists today. You've never heard them say one word against the liquor traffic. 
Oh, they talk about the cigarette business, and I'm against that too. And they want you to put a package on the uh, thing on the cigarette saying poison. Well, that's okay. That's okay. But why don't you put on, on, on the liquor? Why don't you put some skull and crossbones on the liquor? And say, this will kill you too. Amen? Because you never saw a fellow light a cigarette and run him crazy and flash into one another car and kill a whole family. You never heard of that. No, touch not the oil and the wine. That's the thing tonight. That's the reason I'm against the liquor business from top to bottom. With every ounce of energy I have, I'm against it. Amen. We never would have had it back if a lot of you backslidden Methodists and Baptists and Presbyterians hadn't prayed dry and voted wet. That's what happened. You walked right up and voted for men who advocated it and told you they were for it. Amen? You look guilty as dogs, some of you. Let me tell you something. Pick up your phone. It's ringing. I got your number. Let me show you something. There's some fellow looking right now, he'd give boot to be dead. Amen? You say, we got to have the revenue. Not unless somebody drinks it. Do you want to furnish the drunkard or do you want your neighbor to furnish the drunkard? Amen? Get out of our town, Jesus said. Okay, I'll get out. If you don't want me, I'll get out. Let me tell you another thing. Somebody said, what's going to happen in this country? I'll tell you what's going to happen. The judgments of God are coming on this country. That's what happened. You see where the dust storm hit them yesterday out in California? And how many was killed? And how many automobiles smashed together right in broad daylight and thunder? No rain, but dust until all of a sudden they went blind and the man said all you could hear was the crash and the scream and the smash of the automobiles. That's nothing of what's going to happen in this country. You're riding for a fall, amen? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something tonight. Get out, they said. Jesus said, all right, we'll get out. We'll get out. I know when I announced I'd preach on the subject of the devil, the first question that entered your mind, is there a devil? Is there a devil? And if so, why doesn't God kill the devil? Honey, don't run in and out now. You don't know. Just be seated and don't run in and out while I'm preaching. Just get sit down and don't, don't run in and out. Let me tell you this. You say, Brother Lakin, I read that God created all. You said, if there is a devil and God is all-powerful, why doesn't God kill the devil? A man said to me, little Alex Smart said, why doesn't God kill the devil? I said, he'd leave too many orphans in the world if he did. Let me tell you something tonight. Let me tell you something. We read in the, in the Bible that God created all things in the heavens and in the earth. But we read also that the devil has not always been a devil. The devil has not always been a devil. Why? We read of angels and archangels and cherubims and seraphims, and then we read of a being by the name of Lucifer. He seemed to have had a preeminence all over, over all the other angels. He seemed to have had a place of authority or rulership. But he was not satisfied with that position that God gave him. So he said, I will exalt myself above the stars. I will go above the throne of God. I will take God's place. And when he put those I wills up at God, God smashed him. And God created Adam and Eve and placed them in a beautiful garden. 
in a beautiful garden and he would place them in a beautiful garden and then Satan came to thwart God's plan and he took the woman he took the woman and he said to Eve now notice what he said he said to Eve hath God spoken now he's the first modernist of the Bible what did he do he sought to get Eve to call in question that there had been a revelation and he said, hath God spoken? She said, yes, God has spoken. Then he, caught, he sought to get her to question the truthfulness of that revelation. He said, what God said is not so. The day you eat thereof, you shall not surely die, but you will be as gods doing good and evil. Now notice, in heaven then only the good, in hell then only the evil. On earth, midway between the two, they have a mixture of both good and evil. Now he said to Eve, God's holding out on you. He said, the day you eat of this, you will be as gods. You'll know the evil as well as the good. You'll know both good and evil. And so he tempted Eve and she ate and gave to Adam and he ate and thus brought the downfall of the race. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. God took a woman, the devil took a woman without a man in it, and brought the downfall of the race. God took a woman without a man in it, because he, or the devil took a woman without a man in it, because he said that the woman, it was the woman in the transgression. A lady said to me not long ago, said, you're all the time talking about the men, said, or the women. Said, where would the men be if it weren't for the women? I said, back in Eden, sitting around under the trees, having a good time. That's exactly it. And let me tell you, women's lib, there's where you lost your liberty, amen? There's where you lost it, why? And I'll tell you why. Do you ever, did you ever notice? Did you ever notice the curse upon this earth, the curse of the fall, the curse upon the earth, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth, the curse upon the serpent, upon thy belly shalt thou go, the curse upon the curse upon the man by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread, the curse upon the woman, in childbearing thy sorrow shall be multiplied, and thy husband shall rule over thee. Why don't you fellas say amen? I'm trying to help you out. God knows. They've got you so henpecked you roost on the foot of the bed of a night with your head under their arm. Let me tell you something. You said, listen to what the Bible says. Honor your... He said, listen, nowhere did God command a man, a woman to fall in love with a man. He says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, obey your husbands. He got out a weak one. You say, obey the thing I married? You shouldn't have married a thing. Amen? Let me say another thing. I never saw a hen-picked man in my wife worth a dime. Now I'm getting it. That's it. Don't you get mad at me now. The booger man will get you. We got to love one another. But here's what I'm saying. I'm leading up to saying this. God said, Mr. Devil, you took a woman without a man in it, and you brought the downfall of the race. Now, I'm going to take a woman without a man in it. He took her from the side of Adam, you know. Of course, you men must realize this. He didn't, didn't take her from his foot because he didn't intend you to walk on her. And he didn't take her from his head. He didn't intend for you to lord it over her. He didn't say that. Took her from his side. 
Adam was the one who first experienced, he first experienced the anesthetic, put him to sleep for that major operation, and took himself on his side, and took out the rib. See, Adam was the first electronics engineer. He furnished the spare parts for the first loudspeaker we ever had in this world. Let me show you something tonight. Amen. You couldn't get mad at me, could you, if you wanted to. I wouldn't let you. You looking mighty sour about it, though, but I believe it. <laughs> Listen, did you know this? Listen to me. The man is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. But listen, walking along side by side. Now notice, God said, Mr. Devil, you took a woman. You didn't have a man in it, for it was the woman in the transgression. I'm going to take a woman without a man in it. You took a woman without a man in it and brought the downfall of the race. I'll take a woman without a man in it and I'll redeem the race. How? For a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child of the Holy Ghost without a man in it. That's what I'm telling you tonight. Without a man in it. And he said, Mr. Devil, I know what you'll do. You'll bruise his heel. That is, you'll hang him upon a cross. But don't forget, while you're hanging him upon a cross, he'll get your head. He'll get your head. And however the devil thought or acted, from that moment till the angels flew around the hill of Bethlehem and said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a child which is Christ the King. He knew that if that child was born according to prophecy and lived according to prophecy and died according to prophecy and arose according to prophecy and went back to heaven according to prophecy, he knew, he knew if that happened that he came back according to prophecy, he'd put the kibosh to his business. Amen. Because he knew that when he would come back, he'd lay hold and take him and drag him down and chain him and put him in hell and make a jailbird out of him. That's what he'd do. He knew that, my friend. That's the reason I'm saying to you tonight. And we'll never have peace in this whole world as long as he's loose either. Amen. We give you this word tonight. Give me this word tonight. Now, I know a lot of people think that Satan is not a... He's not a person. Like Christian science said, he's just a principle of evil. Just an, an imagination, a figment of the imagination, and we can get rid of him by simply refusing to think about him. That sounds good. It's all the way you think about it, you know. The old preacher that baptized me, we used to set up with people in the country when they got sick. We used to go and sit up with them, amen. And this old preacher went down, he would sit up with this man, come up to this lady's home of a morning, and she was a Christian science, and she'd say, Brother Simpkins, how so-and-so? Well, he's pretty sick. No, he's not sick, Brother Simpkins, he just thinks he is. And one morning the old preacher came humping along, and she said, how so-and-so this morning? He said, Sister, you know he thinks he's dead this morning. Let me tell you, sir. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Bring it now. Let me tell you something. Let me show you something to me. They said that Satan is just a prayer. Listen, I believe that Satan is a person, the same as God is a person, the same as Jesus is a person, and the same as the Holy Spirit is a person. I believe that Satan is a person. He's a mighty spiritual being. A mighty spiritual being. And don't forget this. Don't sell him short. 
There's no power in heaven or hell or earth that's got more power. Nobody in heaven, earth, or hell that's got more power than Satan, than God, my friend. You know why? Because when contending for, with the archangel for the body of Moses, he said to the archangel, I'll leave you for the Lord to rebuke. Don't you say, I'll do so and so. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's the only way you overcome Satan, my friend. He's not omnipotent. He's knowing, but he's not all-knowing. He's not, he's not all-powerful. Uh, all he's powerful, but not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. He's knowing, but not all-knowing. He can only go as far as God permits him to go. And God sets it up and said, Thus far you can go and no farther. You know, I think about Job sometimes. Job, uh, God was kind of proud of Job. And, and one day the devil said to God, he said, There's not a just man on the earth. And God said, Oh, wait a minute. He said, You haven't looked over my, my servant Job lately, have you? So he went back down and looked at old Job. And Job was walking around among his cattle and his camels and his herds and his flocks and his in his fields, and he had a lovely wife and family and all of this, you know, and Satan went back and said, sure, he's serving you, but he's doing it for hire. That's the same thing he says about this preacher and this preacher and this other preacher. He said, yeah, they're preaching, but take the money away from them and see what they do. You ever hear some of these old peckerwoods say that? And he never gave a dime of it in his life. Amen? Let me tell you this. Then God said, okay, I'll tell you what you do. You can take his property away from him. But you can't hurt, you can't touch his soul. You can't touch his life. So he went down, took all his property away from him, destroyed all his flocks and herds, burned up everything he had. Old Job had nothing left. But he still retained his integrity. And then they came and said, Job, your family's all been killed. And there's old Job with his fortune gone and his family gone, and he still retained his integrity. Still retained his integrity. Man can make it all right. He can make it if he loses his fortune. If he make it if he loses his health, somehow his, his health was gone. He said, you can take that, but you can't touch his body. So he afflicted him with boils. And old Job sat out there in the ash bank and scraped himself with broken crockery. Health gone, family gone, fortune gone, everything gone. And then old Mrs. Job. Fella can make it if his wife sticks to him. But then old Mrs. Job, I don't know whether she had her eye on some young buck or whether she wanted to cash his insurance policy. But you know what she said? You old scab, why don't you kick off? What are you doing sitting around here? Why don't you curse God and die? He said, listen, woman, you talk like one of the foolish women. I came into this world without anything. Naked came I into this world. Naked will I go out of this world, he said. The Lord hath given and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And though the skin worms devour this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God for myself and not another. I said, what else, Job? But I know, what do you know? I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand in the latter days upon the earth. And when they said that, God said, bully for you, Job, bully for you. I'll give you two times more. Amen. Let me tell you something tonight. Let me tell you something tonight, my friend. Satan you say he's a, you say, you say Satan's a person? Yes. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. If you go to hell through all the prayers and all of the grace of God that's been provided, 
You'll go as an intruder upon somebody else's property. Why? Because Satan was never fixed for you. Satan was made for, a hell was made for Satan and his angels. Amen? That's what it was made for. And James, in writing the twelve tribes, tells them that the devil is an orthodox. Boy, he was an orthodox. He that he believed that he believed. That's more than some preachers do today. Amen. He believed. He's just as. And you know something? Another thing. He not only does he believe, and that's more than majority, but the devil is always on the job. Did you know he's working just as hard to damn this city as God is to save it? And if you had some members of this church that were as busy as the devil, we'd get something done this week. If they were as busy as the devil, we'd get something done this week. Don't you ever think for a moment the devil ever gets tired or takes gout or heart trouble or locomotor attacks or rheumatism? I'm telling you, he stays ready all the time. He's on the job. Let me tell you something. The prince of this world. You think for a moment about his work. He's left his mark everywhere. On the Bible and art and history and homes and character and lost souls. <laughs> if I had the language of a Webster and the eloquence of a Demosthenes, I couldn't depict the awfulness and the danger that people stand to in any way yield themselves to Satan. Yield themselves to Satan. Did you know this? And this light speech about him is unwarranted. No, we don't think of we don't we think of the devil with a long tail and a pitchfork and fiery eyed and cloven hoofs and so forth. He's not that. He's a good looking rascal. He wears an evening suit. He goes in the best of society. The fact of the matter, he got stuck on his beauty. That's what got him. He was an angel of light. He was so beautiful. And did you ever stop to think of the serpent? You watch the serpent. How gracefully he glides. You watch him. Ah, my friend, Satan is so graceful, and he glides about to get people. That's the picture that people get. That's the wrong picture of Satan. Listen, he said, lest Satan should deceive you. He's a deceiver. He deceives people in the spiritual way. What do you mean, Brother Lincoln? I mean this. Take, for instance, a man that is born again and been baptized, my friends, with the Spirit. And he's always on the altar for God, all of his friends, all of his foes, all that he knows, all that he doesn't know, every faculty of his soul, every thought of his mind. He's burned the bridge behind him. He's crossed the, he's crossed the river. He's not camping on the same ground every day, but he's getting somewhere. He's getting somewhere. And the devil knows that fellow going shouting up the highway. He knows he can't get him to go back into cursing, drinking, gambling, adultery. He knows he can't get him to do that. So he said, I'll do the next thing. I'll sidestep him and I'll make a fanatic out of him and ruin his influence. I'll make a fanatic. The devil has two extremes. He puts a man either on a red hot stove or a cake of ice. He either makes a wild-eyed fanatic out of him or makes him as cold as a dog's nose. You say, well, Dr. Lincoln, that's me. I don't want to be no religious fanatic. Well, don't you worry about that, honey. Most of you are far below where that ever sits in. Looks like you're about comfortably situated with the ice division. Let me show you something. There's another way he deceives people. Takes the man that lives an open, vile, vulgar, vicious, sinful life. And right up to the edge of the grave, and just before he enters the other world, he leaves a little hope behind and makes some little procession of faith. You say, don't you believe in that? I don't go much on deathbed repentance. I, a man usually dies like he lives. 
Don't you make your soul believe that you can live as you please right up to the edge of the grave in the last minute, make a deathbed repentance and say, I don't say it's not possible, but I say I've never seen one. I've never seen one. I've seen a lot of folks that when they thought they were going to die, got as pious as a pope. But then when they got well, they were as devilish as a demon. Let me show you something tonight. Let me show you something tonight. Even if it were possible. You say, what about the thief on the cross? Honey, that's the first time, as far as you know, that's the first time he ever heard of the, of the Lord Jesus. Can you say when you're dying that that's the, last, that's the first time you've ever heard of Jesus Christ? I don't say they're non genuine, but I say, I say it isn't treating God right. You know, he comes to as an angel of light sometimes. Lest Satan deceive you. He comes as an angel of light. And let has people to say, I've done many wonderful things. I've come to sea and land to make a proselyte. And yet he, I've been baptized. I've taken communion. And I suppose I'm all right. He said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. You've got to have something more than that if ever you get inside the heavenly gates. Amen? Well, you say, Brother Lincoln, I've done all of these things. That's what he said in the last day. Many will cry and say, Lord, open unto me. And he'll say, I never knew you. I didn't once know you and then forgot you. I just never knew you. The scribes and Pharisees pastored twice in the week, paid tithes of all the possessed, prayed on the street corner, went on visitation. And he said, unless your righteousness exceed that, you'll never see the kingdom. That's the reason Carl says, have you experienced the new birth? Have you experienced the new birth? Listen to me. Listen to me tonight. The devil not only deceives, but he takes the advantage. He takes the advantage. What? He knew the weak spot. How did they take a defense city? They don't fire a little here and a little yonder and yonder. They find the weakest spot in the defense and fire there until the thing, they shot and fell until the thing crumbled and falls. You know how Satan gets you? He knows the weak spot in your life. He knows what your besetting sin is. He knows, and right there's where he's pounding. Tonight, is it drink? Is it lust? Is it gambling? There's where he's pounding tonight. And he keeps up the barrage right there. He knew the weak spot in the life of Balaam. Balaam, a prophet of God, called and ordained of God. And yet, my friends, when God, when he went out to talk to God about cursing a certain people, God said no. Then he went back and said, nothing doing. Then they went back again. And Balaam said, I'll have to talk to God again. If it was wrong yesterday, it's wrong today. A thing that will condemn you tonight will condemn you when the stars have been wrung out of their sockets. And as he pushed down the road that day, a mule could see more of God than a prophet. Let me tell you this. I've seen men go down on every line, the booze line, every line. I've seen them go down on every line and then climb back. But I'm going to tell you tonight, when a man goes down on the money line, he seldom ever gets back. He seldom ever gets back. That's the reason Carl said he didn't want a million dollars. God only knows what had to happen. Amen. Let me tell you this tonight. When he goes down on that line, he never gets back. Let me tell you this. He knew the weak spot in the life of Judas. Judas, the smartest man of the apostolic college, chosen, chosen treasure of the crowd. 
And there here we find him, we find him complaining about the waste of the ointment. The next time you find him selling him out for 30 pieces of silver and walking out yonder, my friend, and then being, and then having old-fashioned conviction seize him and rush back in and throw the money down and said, I've betrayed innocent blood. And they laughed at him and said, see out of that. See out of that. I'm not concerned about that. And then see him as he rushes down yonder and buys him a piece of rope and goes out yonder and climbs up a, an olive tree and gets out on a limb and ties the rope around his neck and the other end around the limb and down he goes a dying flying man. The rope breaks and his bowels gush out and the next morning a man walks out and looks and sees a piece of rope hanging up there to the limb and he said, looked over and said, it's suicide. They go down and turn him over and said, oh, it's old Judas Iscariot. Take him out and bury him in the potter's field. Go on in your gambling. Go on in your habits. Go on in your drink. Go on as you will tonight, but don't forget, my friend, that the way that the way thereof is the way of death, and you'll wind up over the precipice. That's what'll happen to you. That's what'll happen to you tonight. Listen to me tonight, my friend. The wages of sin. Here's a picture of a young man, the devil playing chess. The devil would move, and the young man would move, look like he was playing a pretty good game. The people standing around and they would applaud. The devil kept moving in and moving in and finally he had the young man hymn and he didn't have another move and he dropped his head and started to weep and the devil laughed with a fiendish glee. Listen to me, some of you look like you're playing a pretty good game tonight. Family's all well. Got a good job, money in the bank, everything's lovely tonight. But Satan's going to keep moving in here, moving in there, moving in there. The first thing you know, you'll not have another move. And then it is that he laughs with a fiendish glee because he knows you has you trapped. Listen to me tonight, my friend. There are men in hell tonight. Men in hell tonight. Men in hell tonight that never expected to be there. You say, I never expect to go to hell. No man ever did. No man ever did. But there's only one thing, the habits that robbed you tonight, all of them tonight, and I come to tell you that there is a personal devil tonight, and he's deceiving you. And if you could see yourself, if you could see yourself ten days from tonight, lying under on a hospital cot somewhere, with the death rattle in your throat and the death dew on your brow, and your eyes turning in bloodshot and bony sockets, and kind hands moistens your lips and the clock ticks louder on the mantelpiece than it ever ticked before. And if you could see yourself as the doctor shakes his head and said, he'll not live till morning. If you could see the death angel slip down the road and crowd you against the wall and blow his icy breath in your face and take your soul and wing his way out yonder and the undertaker comes and takes your body, rolls you down yonder and pumps that body full of fluid and then places you in a coffin and hear the sand grind beneath the wheels as the hearse follows and then they follow with tears dropping down from veils. If you could see that and hear the preacher say ashes to ashes and earth to earth man that is born of woman is but few days and full of trouble if you could see yourself in that condition ten days from tonight I wouldn't have to be standing upon this platform into a premature grave to get you to do what you ought to do you'd arise and rush down this aisle tonight and said my God what must I do to be saved <laughs> what must I do to be saved That's the message for you tonight. Don't let Satan deceive you. 
You said, I'm, I've got good health. Preacher just told me a while ago, I just said, told Ronnie about the video. We just closed the week in Portugal, Ohio on Sunday night two weeks ago. Monday the pastor had a serious heart attack. He's in the hospital. I'm going to call tonight when I go home. When I go to the hotel to see how he is. My wife called me this morning. My first cousin's husband died yesterday. A neighbor just a mile and a half down the road buried today. I just preached the first cousin's funeral Friday before I came here Saturday. Don't let Satan deceive you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.